oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Mr. Speaker, life has never been more expensive than it is today under this two-term NDP government. A government that I remind you laughably ran on a platform of affordability in both 2017 and 2020. And on Friday, instead of announcing any relief for British Columbians desperately searching for a family doctor, or struggling with sky-high gas prices at $2.34 a litre, this Premier was busy announcing a billion-dollar museum that nobody was asking for. A modest upgrade is one thing, but $1 billion for a new museum is outrageous. And as Site C so clearly demonstrates, we all know it's going to be a lot more than $1 billion under this NDP government because they don't know how to deliver any major capital projects. And so my question to the Premier is this. Why on earth is the Premier so tone-deaf to be spending over a billion dollars on a museum project instead of helping British Columbians get access to a family doctor and some relief when they're trying to fill up their cars? Premier. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. And um, I, I'm certain I'll heckle. I can't even say thank you without being heckled. Uh, I, I do want to uh, certainly indulge the speaker to add any time on. I do want to acknowledge the arrival of the member for Vancouver, Colchana, the leader, leader of the official opposition. Welcome back. Uh, we've been waiting. Uh, we're looking forward to the engagement. <laughs> And, uh, but but before, before I do that, I, I want to also say, uh, after 12 miserable years in opposition, it is a imp vitally important role in our democracy. And I know the good work of the member for Bank, uh, Prince George uh, Valemount demonstrates that selflessness... <laughs> demonstrated that selflessness and understanding of government from her time in multiple uh, ministries as well as coming from the heartland of British Columbia where she is connected with her community that she can add vital uh, a commentary and criticisms of government policies as uh, we did when some of us had that uh, fortune of sitting on the other side growing character as you're doing right this very minute but uh, it, is, uh, it is with uh, genuine uh, sincerity in my, in my heart that I thank the, the member for her work as the, the role of official leader of official opposition. And I welcome back uh, the member for Kulchena as he takes on a new role for himself also. With respect to the content of the question, uh, there's a bunch packed in there. And uh, you do get two questions. You actually get three. So you don't have to put them all in the first one. But let me start. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, fun, funny you should say that, member, because because uh, we have a bit of material ourselves. Uh, but on, on the on the positive side, I want to say that uh, with the the recent announcement of a four hundred million dollar give back to policyholders at ICBC over the past fourteen months, we have given back to policyholders 
uh, a roughly uh, $500 in rebates, uh, totaling $1.3 billion from the I would argue that that's assisting drivers by making sure that their car insurance is as low as it can possibly be, something that we've been striving for for the past five years, to the point where the average uh, policyholder now is saving about $500 when they go and, and re-up on their auto insurance. That's a significant decline in costs, which uh, when the former uh, member was on this side of the House, instead of giving money back to policyholders when there was a surplus, he would take that money and distribute it throughout government. So I'll leave it at that on gas uh, policy, and we'll get back to investing in the cultural sector and others uh, in the second question. Leader of the official opposition, supplemental. Thank you, uh, Premier. I thought you went very easy on me. Um, <laughs> Premier, uh, nearly half of British Columbians are just $200 away from being unable to pay their bills at the end of each month. One in five, almost a million of our friends and neighbours do not have access to a family doctor. Crime, homelessness and overdose deaths are all at record levels. British Columbians need to and want to get to work, but they can't even afford the price of gas. And the Premier says, and I quote, think before you hop in the car. That was the Premier's response to clamoring British Columbians concerned about not being able to fill up their car. People need help now. And yet the priority of this Premier is a $40,000 pay raise for himself, a huge raise for all the cabinet ministers, which is totally undeserved, and more than a billion dollars on a new museum in his own backyard. So my question to the Premier is this. Why has the Premier prioritized his own pay raise in over a billion dollars on a vanity museum project at a time when British Columbians can't find a doctor or can't afford to fill their car up to get to work. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, uh, the member will remember tolls on bridges because he imposed those tolls on bridges. We took them off. So, uh, so those very same those very same drivers are now saving $1,500 a year by not having to pay uh, the BC Liberal tolls to get back and forth to work. The uh, minimum wage was frozen by those on that side for 10 years. Now we have the highest minimum wage in the country, the lowest unemployment rate in the country. And the economy, the economy is rocking. And now I appreciate that that's counterintuitive for those on the other side. Member. Uh, to look around them and see the benefits of a, a robust economy that includes everybody. But that's what, but that's that's what we've been seeing certainly in the past, over the past five years. Uh, there's a range of other initiatives with respect to uh, affordability, and I'm happy to lay them out for the member. But I want to circle back to uh, our cultural sector and the importance of protecting our collective history. Currently, artifacts and archival materials are in a building that is below sea level. It is not seismically safe. It has been, in my opinion, ignored by governments for the past 20 years. I was briefed, Honourable Speaker, as an opposition member back in 2010. Uh, the member was in Cabinet at that time. And it was abundantly clear to the then CEO of the Royal BC Museum that something needed to be done to protect and preserve our collective history. 
And we were approached, uh, as governments are, and again, the member will remember this, cabinet meets, cabinet <coughs> receives submissions. The Royal BC Museum brought forward their case. We spent the past five years doing our due diligence, finding the best way forward. We believe we've arrived at that point, listening to the uh, board of directors, listening to the CEOs, putting in place a plan that we believe is achievable to protect our collective history. And I think you should get behind that, not oppose it. Leader of the Official Opposition, second supplement. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, I'm about as comforted by that answer as I was when I heard that they had everything under control with Site C, which has now gone 100% over budget, from $8 billion to $16 billion. And I'll tell you, it hasn't ended. That has not ended. And, and I love hearing uh, the member opposite go on about, uh, about bridges, because I want, to remind, I want to remind the members over in NDP world there that there would not have been a 10-lane Portman Bridge if you were in government because you opposed it every step of the way. Now, I do want to be charitable uh, because it is my first day back here. And I know, I know, and I mean this sincerely, I know the NDP mean well. And I would argue that they even genuinely are sincere in trying to get good results. The problem is they just don't know what they're doing. And the fact of the matter is that there is a huge gap, I would call it a chasm, between NDP rhetoric and the actual results that they achieve. Because the results, when you look at it, my friends, are terrible in every measure. We have the highest housing prices in North America in spite of the blizzard of new taxes that government put on the housing sector. We have the highest gas prices in North America, the highest before the war started in Ukraine, and the highest still today at $2.34 a litre. Crime is out of control. The Attorney General's catch and release system has resulted in 40 prolific offenders being involved in nearly 6,400 police interactions in Vancouver alone last year. Mr. Speaker, there are more than four violent random assaults taking place in the city of Vancouver each and every day, almost 120 a month. And sadly, six people are dying every day from an overdose under this government's watch, the worst in history. One in five British Columbians don't have a family doctor. And, uh, and when they try to go to a walk-in clinic, Mr. Speaker, they face the longest wait times in Canada, right here in British Columbia. So I have a simple question for the Premier of this province. I know simple works. I have a simple question to this Premier. Will the Premier cancel this ridiculous vanity museum project and use those dollars to help British Columbians get access to a family physician and be able to afford to fill up their cars? Will the Premier do that today? Premier. Well, Mr. Speaker, I know that you're from Burnaby, not from Surrey, so I'm starting from... that if I had known 10 years ago that the finance minister of the day couldn't tell the difference between a capital budget and an operating budget, I would have been more aggressive on my question. 
both just feeling each other out here, but you know, you can save your throne speech debate for another time and use this question time to be more pointed in your observations. But I, I know you're just warming up and, and it does take time. It's a difficult job. And, and I genuinely, like, I, I'm, apologies for appearing glib, I, I do genuinely believe it's a difficult job and I wish you all the best. And, and you'll keep all of us better by the work that you do. I'm, I, I, you know, and now I'm, I'm rambling. I'm chewing up the clock, member. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Honourable Speaker, Honourable Speaker, the Leader of the Opposition is correct. There are enormous challenges facing British Columbians, wherever they may live. Affordability is our number one issue, and we have a long inventory. You can go through Hansard. Your colleagues have heard me uh, resuscitate that back. I can send you a memo with all of it in one place so we can maybe take it as read and move on in these issues. I absolutely appreciate and understand the challenges that families are facing. But we also know that we need to be tactical in where we put money to assist people. Uh, it can be inflationary. For example, through, uh, through the uh, COVID uh, pandemic, we gave up $2.7 billion in direct assistance to people. That's not just businesses, but to people. Put a cap, we put a cap on childcare fees. We brought in the, the child opportunity benefit that can turn $2,600 to a family of two, of which you are one. These, this child opportunity benefit is now available to families right across British Columbia to help bring down costs. The housing prices were the highest in the country when you sat on this side of the house. The gas prices were the highest in the country when you sat on this side of the house. And we have been trying to bring it down over time. There was a time, Honourable Speaker, there was a time, Honourable Speaker, when the B.C. Liberals Members. supported a price on carbon so we could address climate change, and I got a, a, a message for you, Member. Well, you were gone. The place has been on fire. It hasn't been under a flood, and we have serious challenges with respect to the dikes that we talked about. The member uh, from uh, Delta South talked about the diking in his area. We have profound challenges ahead of us. I know you're going to be helping us each step of the way by bringing forward constructive suggestions about improving government. All questions and answers through the chair, please. Opposition House Leader. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, and and I, uh, I don't mean to be glib either uh, to, uh, to the Premier, but uh, if I just heard correctly, uh, the Premier just said, and I quote, we need to be tactical where we put money to help people. I'll tell you where we wouldn't put a billion dollars in the name of helping people is into a vanity museum project for the Premier. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. When you have housing prices completely out of control at the highest that they've ever been in this province, when you have gas prices higher than they've ever been in this province, when you have groceries higher than they've ever been in this province, and, and the, the solution that the Premier has is to spend a billion dollars on a vanity museum project in his own backyard, that is what is shameful. The cost of everything has gone up, including the price at the pumps. Skyrocketing gas prices now at $2.34 a litre. The pain at the pump is real for working British Columbians. Truckers, uh, taxi drivers, contractors, and of course, lots and lots of families trying to get their kids to soccer. Most people don't have the option not to use a car. But on Friday, the Premier, in an another one of his gems of a quote, so the Premier rejected helping people and instead told them to uh, just think before you hop in the car and see if there's a way you can do it with a neighbour or someone who's going by. Are you kidding me? Maybe that makes sense to a Premier uh, with a government-paid and government-driven uh, dr car, 
who's just given himself a $40,000 pay raise, but it doesn't help anyone else in the province. So why is the Premier punishing drivers after years of saying that he would do something about it? And when is he going to actually come to the table with real relief at the pumps for British Columbians? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, as I said at the start uh, to the Leader of the Opposition, $420 in rebates back to ICBC policyholders who were used as an instant teller machine by the former government, not as respected and valued parts of society that if we don't have to use the money for, for, for crashes and health care, we can drive it right back into their pockets. That's what we've done for the driving public in British Columbia. When the member goes to renew his insurance, he'll find that it's $500 cheaper than it was last year. He'll also discover, Honourable Speaker, and again, Members. perhaps, perhaps the, the, the former finance minister can talk to the government house leader. Capital and operating are two separate things. We are doing what we can to bring forward more health care providers. Remember, the, the, uh, the health minister has been talking about it for the past two weeks. If you take the cotton out of your ears, you'd hear what he's saying. We're trying to fill the gaps that were left behind by a government that said when the federal government cut the Canada Health Transfer, when the federal government cut Member, the Canada members. Health Transfer, the only finance minister in the Order. land that said good idea was the one that's sitting over there right now. We need more money. If we have less heckling, we'll have more questions. Opposition House Leader, supplemental. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. So the, uh, the, the government uh, goes and jacks up ICBC rates by 25% over four years, only to then reduce them by 25% over, over that same, same time. Somehow, in NDP world, somehow in NDP world, that's like that's like standing up and members. defending defending the drivers of this province. Just like the rebate checks, which they've been promised, and, and British companies are still waiting to receive those, Mr. Speaker. The the premier can try to dodge and deflect all he wants, but gas prices are at two dollars and thirty-four cents a liter today. People need help today. Angie Rossi from Richmond says, and I quote: "Food has gone up, rent has gone up." Everything in my life has gone up. How are we going to drive to work so that we can buy food to feed our family? End quote. BC had the highest gas prices and, and costs before the war in Ukraine, and that is still the case today. Instead of offering people like Angie help, the Premier only helps himself and Cabinet with a $40,000 raise for himself and $20,000 for each Cabinet member. Then he has the gall to announce a $1 billion vanity museum project in his backyard. How could the Premier possibly expect Angie, Angie to hitchhike or carpool to get to work or get groceries for her family? And why is he spending over $1 billion on a new vanity museum project instead of helping Angie and the thousands of British Columbians just like her? Here, here, here. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I believe that protecting the collective assets of all of the people who have been in British Columbia since time immemorial right up to today is money that is well spent to protect and preserve our collective history. The BC Liberals don't seem to think so. Capital budget is stretched over time. I, I feel like this is budgeting 101. Members, 
Budgeting 101. The official opposition should understand how budgets are created. I, I'm sure they, they, they do, but instead, instead they'd like to say we're spending a billion dollars that we could not spend on something else. It's a capital budget for a project that's critically important to the people of British Columbia and our collective history. If they don't want to support it, that's their business. That's their business, Premier, Honorable Speaker. Premier, hold it. We are wasting our time, members. Leader of the official opposition, we are looking for leadership from you today. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Since we formed government, we have been focused on affordability, reducing costs for people, making sure that we can get money to those who desperately need it. The largest increase ever, ever for people with disabilities and people on income assistance. That helps people make, uh, make ends meet at the end of the month. Making sure that we're giving back when we don't need the money for a, a core service, which is not which is not what you guys did on the other side, what they did on that side of the House. They looked at our Crown corporations as instant teller machines. Whenever they were profitable, they took the money and gave tax cuts to those who didn't need it. We've tried to level that out. We're going to continue doing that work. And here's a note, Honourable Speaker, for the Leader of the Official Opposition. It's working. We have challenges ahead of us, but working together, British Columbians can overcome this. And to suggest somehow, Honourable Speaker, and again, uh, we can read back the quotes to the Leader of the Opposition if, if he wants to hear himself again. Members. But he said not that long ago there was nothing the provincial government could do about gas prices, so I don't know what happened on the way to Damascus, but he seems to have changed his mind on that. Leader of the Third Party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. This has been a fascinating debate to watch. The Premier touts his government giving money to the people who can afford to drive cars right now. It would actually be a relief to hear about solutions for people who can't even afford that. Last week, the Premier told British Columbians to drive less, carpool, or use alternative modes of transportation as gas prices continue to rise. He could take a step today to help British Columbians save money and get cars off the road, a monthly adult TransLink pass can cost $180. For BC Transit, it's $85. For couch and commuters, it's over $200. If public transit were free for the next four months, he could help millions of British Columbians save as much as $800, and that could help a lot with the cost of food. My question, Honourable Speaker, through you is to the Premier, Will he make public transit free while gas prices are at record-breaking levels? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. We have made uh, public transit treat, uh, free for kids uh, under 12, which is a significant impact, a positive impact for families right across British Columbia. And we're going to continue to look at ways to expand our public transit system to meet the objectives which I believe the leader of the third party and I share with respect to reducing our GHG impact by making sure that there's accessible, affordable public transit across British Columbia. You can't do that by snapping your fingers. The member knows that. We've been working on it from day one and we're going to continue working on it to lift up all British Columbians wherever they may live. Leader of the third party, supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I, I, I often point out that you can understand a government's priorities by where they put their money. Uh, and we certainly didn't see an enormous amount of money invested into public transit infrastructure outside of the Lower Mainland, where communities that currently are deeply underserved by transit cannot expect to see a particularly significant increase in that infrastructure, which is essential. And yet, this government continues to subsidize the oil and gas industry 
to the tune of almost a billion dollars a year. British Columbians need to have easy access to alternative modes of transportation. This government has had five years to build out the transit network across BC so that that can actually be available to the public. My question, Honourable Speaker, through you is to the Premier. While there have been investments in transit in the Lower Mainland, the rest of the province lags behind in that infrastructure. Can we expect at least $800 million in additional transit investments in the 2023 budget? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, it's good to know that all of the parties on the opposite side of this House don't support our cultural industries, don't support investing in our collective history. That surprises me. It disappoints me. It shocks me. But there you go. Again, uh, we have been making significant investments in transit. The member of the, uh, the minister responsible is not here today. I know that he would be delighted to give you a briefing if you want to see where we've made these investments over the past number of years. We are focused on reducing our GHG emission. The member, uh, the environment minister, has got the most progressive plan in the country that was built on a foundation created by the former government, I might add, and I continue to add whenever I get the opportunity. The fact that they've fallen off that bus is a surprise. Maybe we should get them back on public transit. We can make some impact on, impact, uh, on GHGs right around these cities. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, just like the Surrey Hospital, the, the Premier's Vanity Museum project doesn't appear to be in this budget either. Oh, that's Strange how that works when he wants to talk about where things are in their budgets. Mr. Speaker, in 2018, the Premier said that if gas prices stay high in the coming weeks, back in 2018, he would take action to bring down prices at the pump. Well, Mr. Speaker, here we are 220 weeks later and British Columbians continue to pay the highest gas prices with the highest gas taxes in North America. In fact, we've offered the Premier three solutions. He could suspend the provincial ta gas taxes, which actually has worked in Alberta, contrary to what the Premier wants to say. He could give a one-time rebate through the Climate Action Tax Credit, which gets distributed based on incomes and would help low- and middle-income families the most. Or he could stop having fuel taxes hidden in on fuel being imported in from Alberta at 25 cents a litre as of January 1st. His government policy. All three options we've offered up, all three options would provide immediate relief at the pumps for the people. Why will the Premier not action any one of these simple solutions and get people price relief today? Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I think everyone acknowledges and recognizes the impact that the war in Ukraine has had upon not only gas prices here in Canada, but in the United States and indeed around the world. Oil is a, is a global commodity and driven by a global price, and I think that reflects uh, here in the local price. Uh, the, the BC Liberals have put forward uh, some uh, suggestions, uh, and let me deal with one of them. Um, the member speaks of uh, an import tax on gasoline coming from Alberta. That is just factually wrong. There is no import tax whatsoever.
Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, governing is about choices, and it is sickening to families who will lose their funding to see the Premier choose a pay raise for himself and over a billion dollars for a museum instead of supporting families with children with autism. Louise Watson is one of those impacted families, and she says, quote, it is wrong to take this money away from autistic children, end quote. Why is the Premier clawing back funding from autistic children when he has money for cabinet pay raises and more than a billion dollars on a vanity museum project? Minister of uh, Children and Family Development. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. Um, as the member is aware, what we're actually doing is building a provincial system, a needs-based system, to serve all children and youth with support needs. So that does include families with children um, who have a diagnosis of autism. But, Honourable Speaker, what we're doing is building a system that actually matches services to the unique needs of all children and youth with support needs. We have uh, had many recommendations from the representative for children and youth that we need to move towards a needs-based system. In fact, there was a select standing committee of this very legislature um, that gave uh, a report that was approved by all parties of the House that also recommended that we move towards a needs-based system. And that's what we're doing, Honourable Speaker. We're building a system so children and youth across the province will be able to receive the services that meet their needs and the families will be able to work with service providers to build a circle of care around their child and youth. At the moment, too many children and youth are being left behind as services are locked behind a diagnosis and children are at risk of missing their milestones and especially at early ages. So by building a system, we're going to be serving more children and youth and sooner, Honourable Speaker. And what that means is children and youth with support needs across the province will be much better able to thrive. Member for Prince George Wilmont. Well, thank you very much. And it's time that that minister actually went and had a conversation with parents across British Columbia who are devastated by the decision exactly. to claw back. <laughs> the bottom line for the Premier is the fact that he promised British Columbians, not once, but twice, that life would be more affordable under his government. And that is simply not true. Can he imagine the shock that British Columbians felt when they are worried about trying to fill up their gas tank or buy their groceries or just get their kids to school every day when he announced a $1 billion vanity museum project in his backyard? British Columbians need help now. They need it today. They certainly weren't asking the Premier for a museum project. So today, will the Premier do the right thing? Will he get up on his feet? Will he recognize and acknowledge that British Columbians are struggling to get by day after day after day? Will he cancel the decision to build a billion-dollar museum and give British Columbians the help that they need and deserve? Here, here, here. Premier. 
Thank you, Honorable Speaker. And again, um, there's a difference between operating budgets and capital budgets. And this is, the, like, the, I mean, the official opposition could go, oh my, but this is, this is not something that just happened yesterday. This members, is not something that happened five years ago. Members this has always welcome been the case. It has always been the case. Now, if, if I, appreciate, I appreciate that the member uh, beside the leader wants to answer the question. You, can, you guys can talk in caucus about that. You know? Honorable Speaker, since we were sworn in, we have focused on reducing costs. We eliminated the medical service. We eliminated medical services premium, Honorable Speaker. The leader of the opposition, not only did he not eliminate medical services premiums, Honorable Members. Speaker, he decided when he was finance minister to index annual increases in the MSP. We did away with it. Ta uh, tolls on bridges. Again, uh, this is a point of pride for the members on the other side. That's 1500 bucks back into the pocket of people who go back and forth across bridges in the lower mainland to move around. We capped, we capped the built-in rent increases. They keep talking about the rent increases. There was a 2% automatic give back to landlords. That works out to about $850 a year in Surrey, not Burnaby, but Surrey. And again, if the official opposition wants a briefing on budgets, I know the, uh, the Honourable Finance Minister will be happy to teach them the difference between building for the future and pro providing for the needs of today. We are working every day for the needs of all British Columbians, but we have to have a vision going forward. Maybe that's another thing absent from the list of things that the BC Liberals left at the doorstep. The bell ends the question period.